folks. Uh, it's great to be gathered together for worship, and I'm excited to tell you that it won't be too long until we'll be able to gather together in person for worship as well. As Gareth said, this is a bit of a strange night because we've already had um, 75 minutes of the business side of our annual church meeting. Um, if you're new to the Anglican Church, then what that is is that those of us who are faithfully worshipping here on a regular basis can be part of the electoral roll, and once a year, we get to do various exciting things like um, vote through the budget, um, the audit of the accounts from the last year, and elect new people from, uh, from the congregation to be our representatives, lay leaders to work with the staff and the clergy. And I'm delighted that this year we welcome Terence Stamp as a new church warden alongside Heather Houston and um, Rakesh Rajan as well as a new deputy warden. So particularly excited to welcome those two on board. Of course, it's only six months since our last annual church meeting. And during those six months, for most of that time, we've been locked down. So maybe there hasn't been a lot of change. And normally, a talk at this time of year would be an opportunity for us to review with a look forward. Um, this meeting probably is a little bit more of a reflection on some of the lessons that we've learnt and perhaps some glimpses of the future, including what some of the next steps might be. And I particularly want to take this opportunity to say a massive thank you to the congregation. I think as a church, we have come through what has been a really challenging time very strongly. We've been strong in terms of pastoral care, the way that we've looked after each other and the way that we've found to, to remain in community, to keep supporting, learning, growing together, bearing each other's burdens. And at the same time as all of that, we've seen a massive outward turn in terms of, um, of prayer and uh, evangelism through the Alpha courses with 15 to 20 little Alpha courses running um, led by people with their own family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues. We've seen the overflow of our love for God in terms of service with love to the community in the hardship fund and in the food bank collections and all the many ways in which we've been alongside and supporting our community. And of course, we've seen uh, an incredible piece of work that's happened in terms of what we're experiencing tonight, which is the opportunity to connect over the internet. And um, there's just been an incredible flourishing of that in the last year, just seeing some of the opportunities we have now to, to worship together. So whether you're watching this live or you're watching it later, there's an opportunity for you to keep in touch with your church. And so I've thanked a lot of lay people. I particularly want to thank those who've been working on that area, um, some of the staff particularly. You know, we've been able to put out the traditional services with the help of, of Bob and Stephen Redburn and Bill Cumber. But the, the burden of it all has really fallen on that tech team of, of Martin and Bob and Taryn and Will. And um, just want to say a massive thank you to them, uh, particularly to Martin, who's had to um, adapt his job role on numerous occasions and has done uh, just a huge amount of work to enable us to develop what I think is a fantastic online offering. We've learned so much, and there's so much that we have learned this year that we want to keep even as we go forward. Now, at the same time, another reason why we're in such a strong position is that the congregation have, have given at a really difficult financial time, but at the same time, it's been incredibly well managed by the ops team. 
And um, you'll know that the ops team um, up here at the church is kind of like the, the beating heart of the church's life. And uh, Ken and Natalie and Fiona and Liz and Claudia, you know, they've been working not just to manage the operations of the church, but also to administer the hardship fund um, alongside the pastoral committee and the pastoral work of stitching us all together, which has been so important during this time. So again, it's really difficult to highlight individuals, but just as Martin has gone above and beyond in the tech area, we're just so grateful to God for all that Ken does in keeping us as a church in such good shape. Now, we've got some changes coming up as well. Um, we have been joined by uh, a lady called Jessie. So Jessie Baker is working at the, um, the WTC hub. She's taken half of the role that Robbie's been doing. Robbie is going to focus on, leaving, uh, on leading the evenings, but Jessie is going to be our church partnerships manager, and she's going to be working with raising up new students, particularly for WTC. We're going to be joined in the summer by Sam, who's um, taking on the role previously occupied by Sophie as our children's pastor. We're really excited about his appointment. But we've got a few changes coming as well. There always is change in a church with a, a team this big. You'll probably know that Fiona is going on maternity leave. Um, in actual fact, she goes on maternity leave on Tuesday. So just another couple of days uh, before she goes into that um, exciting new season for her and for her family. At the end of this month, Charlie is going to be leading us. She was an intern last year. She stayed on this year as a leadership assistant and has been a great asset in the youth and children's work. She's leaving at the end of the month. And at the end of next month, Taron is going to be moving on to a new role. We're excited for him. Really sad to be losing him. But we're excited that he gets to go and work full-time with uh, Great Ormond Street Hospital. Not in tech, he's actually going into management. He's going to be managing a service desk. But all of them have given great service this year, and we're really just blessed by the way that God keeps providing. And even though the last six months have been a bit of a blur, pretty much the same every day, we have been able to celebrate the festivals because of that team, because of all those who have given their gifts, skills, and passions. I don't know if you were able to be part of the Christmas celebrations. Um, you might remember the walkthrough of just very poignant, very powerful. I know that lots of people were really touched by that, really engaging with the presence of God, perhaps in a slightly different way from what they were used to at Christmas, but still something that really touched them. And in the same way, the Easter celebrations, perhaps a bit fresher in your mind. You know, being able to, to have a, a great program online, but also the opportunity for perhaps some of the more personal, more reflective, more solemn bits to be experienced in the social, socially distanced walkthrough way that we have to at the moment. But I want to talk tonight about coming out of this time. And how is it that we come out of this time in strength? I believe we're in a really strong position as a church because of your faithfulness, because of the way that people have poured themselves into the challenge. I think we're positioned to come out really well. But when we come out of a season, we can squander all that we've gained, or we can learn the lessons and come out strong into the next season. And I wanted to look tonight 
at the passage that we had read this morning. It's the one that we've set for today in our series looking at the Scripture and Jesus' attitude towards it. I wanted to look tonight at that passage that we'd chosen for today and draw some links. When I, when I originally planned the series, I hadn't thought that this would be the APCM, so um, I thought perhaps I'd do a different talk for tonight. But it just felt that actually this passage in um, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus being tested in the wilderness. This passage has a lot to speak to us. So let me read it. This is Matthew 4, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, the devil said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, the devil said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Now this is a time of temptation, a time of testing. Jesus being tested in the wilderness by the fasting and then tempted as uh, the enemy comes to him in his moment of weakness. And we normally look at this passage and we see that what's really going on is, is the sense of his identity. The enemy is trying to separate him from what it is to be the son of God, if you are the son of God. But more broadly, I wanted to look at it as a, a time of testing and some of the fundamental questions. Questions not just of identity, but how we live out that identity. We have to answer as individual Christians as we stand on the threshold of whatever lies on the other side of lockdown. This is the first question. Where do you place your trust? The pandemic may have revealed all sorts of things. Maybe you placed your trust in the health service. Maybe you placed your trust in your finances. Maybe you placed your trust in modern science. Maybe you traced your trust in the welfare state. Well, I don't know what you've placed your trust in, but the truth is all of us have felt shaken, uncertain, unsure that there's anything we can go to which is a strong tower and a refuge other than the Lord. Where do you place your trust? Jesus, of course, was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. In other words, he was led into that season of deprivation. He went willingly in obedience to the Father, following the Holy Spirit. And so the question that's going on in this temptation when Satan comes and says, you know, you want bread? Make some. You can make bread, do some miracles. The question that's at root of this is, is 
God, you led me here. Will you provide for me here? Would this season ever end? You know, Jesus has been led, he's been 40 days. Jesus is fully human, 40 days without food. How much longer could he go? Would this season ever end? Or would he be like the children of Israel were in their wilderness wanderings? It's like God has led us here to kill us, they conclude. Would the season ever end? In other words, would God provide and would he provide in time? Can you wait for God when you're in a season that doesn't seem to be changing very quickly? Or will you trust him only so far before you then start looking to your own resources? That's at root what's going on here. And this last year has been maybe a wake-up call for all of us to recognize that life is insecure. We can't rely on health. We can't rely on finance. We can't rely on the stability of our nation. Nations can be shaken. Finance can collapse. Health can suddenly change in a moment when you become infected or when you get diagnosed with something that you never suspected. And then your only recourse is prayer. Because ultimately that is our only recourse. We look to God and we trust in him for our life, for our health, for our provision. He is a good father who has everything that we need. Do we live like that? As we come out of this lockdown season, as we come out of our wilderness, our time of testing, my prayer is that we would be more dependent on God than ever before. We have learned the lessons. You remember it took the children of Israel 40 years to learn the lesson before they could inherit their promised land. Well, I'm really hoping that lockdown isn't 40 years long. You know, over a year seems enough too ready. Here's the second fundamental question that we need to answer. If we want to come from a time of testing into the fullness of what may lie on the other side, the second question, where do you find your truth? And I say that intentionally because when I say your truth, that's the postmodern way of saying it. That's the relativistic way. People say, well, you've got your truth, I've got my truth. But let me ask the question about your truth. In other words, what do you believe to be truth? Is it something that you make up for yourself? Or is it something that you've encountered and submitted to? In other words, is it subjective, dependent on your whims and your emotions and your moment? You know, you trying to work it out as best as you can? Or have you found truth? As Christians, we have met truth in the person of Jesus Christ. The New Testament talks about truth, living in the truth, being truthful over 150 times because Jesus is the truth. He reveals everything about God and he shows us everything about ourselves. You know, so often a truth that is of our own making is powerless. We, we want to have the power to decide or to define, to declare who we are or what that, that is, you know, to, to attach labels and to attach names. It's, it's something that we want. It's, it's basically Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They want to put themselves in that place and they want to, to, to decide independently from God. Okay, here in the wilderness, Satan tries to use the scriptures, but he uses them selectively. He twists them rather than going to the whole counsel of God. He's trying to use the Bible as a convenient ally 
rather than a commanding authority. He's not submitted to the Bible. He's just finding a verse or two that prop up what he wants to tempt Jesus with. He's tempting Jesus to require of God the Father that he prove the truth of what he's said. And Jesus, of course, keeps coming back again and again. And he says, it is written. God has revealed and God does not lie. Now, Henry Cloud, who's a great American teacher, you may have come across the book Boundaries, or you know, lots of his books are fantastic books, but he talks about the difference between the wise and the foolish. He says the foolish person is the person who encounters the truth and then tries to change the truth to make it more comfortable. Oh, it wasn't really like that. Oh, it, you know, this, they give excuses or they shift blame. The wise person is the person who encounters the truth and then changes themselves to align themselves with the truth. This is a day where we need to be living in wisdom. We need to be coming all the time back to the fact that God has revealed himself in Jesus. And as you look at Jesus' attitude towards the scripture, Jesus is absolutely clear that God has revealed the truth for us in his word. We don't need to cast around, we don't need to thrash about, we don't need to try and work it out. Dangerous if we did, because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. But let God be true and all men liars. See, God is truth, God is love. And the love and the truth can only be understood when you hold them together. A third fundamental question, where do you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure. Now, this might be a little bit harder to see from the passage, but I believe it's there. This is where the devil leads Jesus to uh, Jerusalem, have him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, that you lift up your hands, you strike not your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said... It is written in Luke's version, as I read earlier, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, what's going on here is, is that I think the devil is saying you can get the ends you desire if you're willing to compromise on the means. In other words, you know, I'll, I'll let you get what you want as long as you kind of do it your way. And the reason I think that's a fundamental issue for the Christian is that we are called to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and the Father as our God. And that means that if, if God is Lord of all, then we need to walk in complete obedience. We can never cut corners. We can never think that there's some things over which we have uh, sole disposal, irrespective of what God might want or challenge or ask of us. And that's what, they, what Satan is saying. He's saying, basically saying, you can still do God's stuff. You can do, you know, you, you'll fulfill all the things that God wants from you just, if you just compromise in this one area. But as it's been said many times, if God is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Because ultimately there's something that you hold back and you reserve to yourself and your judgment and your disposal. We need to be completely surrendered. All that I am and all that I have, it's in the wedding vows, but this is something even more fundamental. 
saying to God, it's all at your disposal. And it's actually only when we do that, which is what Jesus means by taking up our cross, dying to self and following. That's the only way into the fullness of life. Now to look at this, as we stand on the edge of the period of lockdown and the beginning of the opening up and the freedoms, it's important to do this, and not just for us to think about placing our trust, finding our truth, but actually investing our time, talent, and treasure. As we have opportunity to start re-engaging with things, it's important that we do so intentionally. We don't just fall back into old habits. It may well be that actually we have some better habits that we've been able to develop during this last year or so. But all of us will have opportunities to start re-engaging with stuff. You know, there's, there's going to be so many opportunities to us to go out and do stuff with families, to catch up with friends, just to go out and enjoy stuff, to maybe throw ourselves into our hobbies or our sports, to, to get out and to shop, to get out and to eat, to go to the cinema. There's so many things that we're going to it's going to feel like a while like we've got a blank piece of paper. But what's really important when we have a blank piece of paper is that we surrender it to God. And we say, look, you've given us all good things to enjoy. So yeah, we want balance in our life. And maybe in some ways things weren't balanced before. But actually, I still want to live for the kingdom first. Because you're my king. And so I want to follow your leadership and your rules. One of the things we've been looking at as a staff is the program um, that we might start back up. And of course, it's really important. We, we could say, okay, we're going to start this on there, and we're going to start that on there. Oh, now we need to make sure we've got loads of volunteers. Because you know that anything that happens in the life of the church, there are loads of people who are involved and people play roles. We didn't want to do that. Because that would be kind of like to flip things around the wrong way. To say, we're going to do this, here's the program, we need all the people to take roles within it. What we'd really like to do is actually say for each one of us, this is a discipleship question. Everything I am and everything I have is, is, is God's. My time, my talents, my treasure, it all belongs to him. God, what would you have me do? And that's the discipleship question. Volunteering really isn't... Volunteering really isn't a Christian concept because a volunteer is somebody who basically graciously gives something that's theirs back to someone as a, a voluntary offering. I don't, I don't have to do this, I'm just volunteering this. We don't do volunteering in the church, we do discipleship. A disciple is someone who says, everything is yours and I'm just being obedient to your call. And each of us needs to live out our call for ourselves to work out what that means to follow Jesus for ourselves. And as we all do that, then the church is able to come together and coordinate all those things into something beautiful that God is calling us together to do. So we're going to be having a little campaign that we're going to call One Church. And it's an opportunity for us to reflect on our own contribution, where we feel God is calling us to play our part. Now, before we kind of wrap this up, just wanted to say a few things that I know people will be really interested in. The first one is, well, when are we actually going to get the chance to come back together and gather in worship? So here is our tentative roadmap for gathered worship. And it's going to start at the beginning of next month. 
So from the beginning of next month, from the 2nd of May, we will be continuing with the 9.15 and 11 and 6.30 online, but we will be making an 8 o'clock in-person communion and a 6.30 p.m. the online service. You'll be able to be here with us in the building worshipping as part of that congregation if you want to. There'll still be masks and social distance, but we'll go back to what we were doing before Christmas. I'm really looking forward to that. May the 23rd is Pentecost. It's also just after the government's step three announcement as things start to become a little bit easier. And it's our hope that then or fairly shortly afterwards we'll be able to start that in-person gathered expression for the morning services as well. You'll note that we're shifting back to the familiar times of 9.30 and 11.15. And we will continue to offer some way for those who don't want to come back or can't come back, we'll offer some way for at least the 9.30 and the 6.30, maybe more as we go on, um, but for those to be engaged with online as well. And long term, we just want to say to you, we understand that there are always going to be people who can't make it to church, and you're really important, you're part of the church family, so we will have a hybrid model of gathered and online as part of our future, and we're excited about that. Now, let me talk about Pentecost. I did say May the 23rd is that kind of tipping point, the Sunday after the government's Step 3 announcement. First thing I want to say is that we're going to encourage everybody to be part of a virtual Pentecost prayer celebration in the afternoon. So our old friend Jonathan Oliadi from the National Day of Prayer and Worship is calling Christians together to pray for the nation to celebrate virtual Pentecost. And we'll be part of that 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But the morning, I said that's the day we might start the gathered worship services. Well, we have something very special to announce. We just can't announce it yet. So hopefully later this week, we'll tell you a little bit more about Pentecost Sunday and an amazing way of us being able to launch all of that. I know that um, you'll be aware that much of my life is um, taken up with being involved in, in New Wine. And um, thank you for your prayers for us. New Wine has been through a really challenging time, two years running of not being able to run the summer conferences, which is such a massive part of our income. But we have been changing and shaping into new models of ministry and developing just some amazing online content. So we have recently launched something called New Wine Online, which is a sort of um, a platform of all sorts of uh, teaching and training from previous New Wine stuff, but developing all the time New Wine programs, um, doing webinars and creating content and conversation. That's something that people can subscribe to and we'll tell you more about that soon. But the United Summer Gatherings that often a group from the church go to, again this year we're not able to run that, but as we did last year, last year we did a small United Breaks Out, just three days. This year we've got six days of an online content. Um, United Breaks Out. So put those dates in your diary from Thursday the 29th of July until Tuesday the 3rd of August. And we're going to make it possible for us to gather as a church to engage with and celebrate that. It's going to have youth content, children content, adult content, morning and evening, loads and loads of extras as well. Uh, I'm really excited to be sharing the plans with you more about that soon. But let's come back to the challenge of tonight. 
these three questions. Where do you place your trust? Where do you find your truth? And where do you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure? You, you really find out for yourself the answer to those questions when you're in a time of wilderness, a time of desert. For us, I suppose, it's a time of privation and lockdown, a time of suffering and grief. You find out the answers to those things, and the answers that you give are really important. Jesus came out of his time of testing. We read, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Luke says. Matthew says he came out and he engaged in ministry of healing and everybody that he touched was healed. Mark talks about how Jesus came out of this time and the, the enemy couldn't stand against him. And uh, there was deliverance for countless people in the early chapters of Mark. Luke talks about Jesus going into the local synagogue, picking up the scroll and saying, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And then talking about the call on him to bring good news to the poor, to, to release the oppressed, to fight for justice and for the values of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus was able to do all of that because he found in himself the right answers in his time of testing. What lies on the other side depends on the answers we give now. So as we're coming into these last few weeks of lockdown, as we're coming into these last few weeks of restriction, it is a time for reflection. What has God been saying to us? And are we able to come out of this time wholly surrendered to God and ready to come out of the wilderness into the promised land, ready to come out of the desert into the power of the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up with me. I'm going to just lead us in a short time of ministry, and Marcia is going to come and uh, lead us in some intercession as we continue in worship. So wherever you are, whether you're engaging with this live or later, just invite you to open yourself to the presence of God. And perhaps to reflect on what God has been saying to you during this last year. It's been a year unlike any other. It's been a year that's exposed things. What has the test shown you? Things that you knew that were solid and secure in your life or maybe things that were fragile and shaky. And whenever something has been exposed that you're unhappy with, there's an invitation from God to put your feet upon a rock. When you recognize that you're on shifting sands, you're trusting in the wrong things, put your feet upon the rock. When your head is being turned with, with lies and opinions and all the, the noise that's around us, put your feet upon the rock. And when you're not sure where to invest your time and your talent and your treasure, remember, let Jesus be the rock. Let him be the foundation. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would lead us into all truth.
I pray, Lord, that we would come out of this time trusting in you in a way that means we can never be shaken again. I pray that we would come out of this time so clear about the source of truth and authority in our life that we can never be led by lies, half-truths, peer pressure. I pray that we would be so wise in making you the foundation of our life and building everything upon the rock that is Jesus, that we would know that our lives are invested well, that we will leave a lasting legacy. Holy Spirit, let's ask now that you would lead us into these things.